all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Just Sally Russell. This is Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC, and surgical pathologist Dr. Allie Brown. With Valentine's Day next Tuesday, picture this, a bubble bath, flower petals leading to the bed, candles glowing all around, a chocolate on your pillow, but... Once you get between the sheets, how do you make your partner see fireworks? How does he rock your world? That's what we're talking about today on Southern Remedy. Sex and romance. Maybe not suitable for younger ears. Get ready with your phone calls. 1-877-MPB-RING. 877-672-7464. Or email women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after news from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Janine Herbst. President Trump plays host to Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe at the White House at this hour. NPR Scott Horsley reports the two leaders are expected to continue their conversation on a Florida golf course this weekend. After their meeting in the Oval Office today, President Trump has invited Abe to join him for the weekend at Trump's private club in Palm Beach. A senior administration official says Trump will try to reassure Abe of the United States' unwavering commitment to Japan's security. Trump himself seemed to waver on that during the campaign when he questioned the cost to America of defending Asian allies. Trump also tore up a 12-nation trade deal in which Abe had invested considerable political capital. The White House says Trump prefers to negotiate trade agreements with individual countries one at a time in the belief he can drive a harder bargain that way. Scott Horsley, NPR News, the White House. Congressman Tom Price has been sworn in as Health and Human Services Secretary. Vice President Mike Pence administered the oath to Price this morning. Price is an orthopedic surgeon and is expected to help dismantle the Affordable Care Act. Mexico's Foreign Relations Ministry says there's a new reality facing immigrants living in the U.S. without proper documentation. And Pierce Kerry Khan reports officials are urging Mexicans abroad to know their rights and be prepared. The Foreign Relations Ministry released a defiant statement after the deportation of a Phoenix, Arizona resident who had been living in the U.S. without authorization for more than two decades. The ministry called the deportation of 36-year-old Gloria Garcia de Rayos, mother of two U.S.-born children, and example of more severe immigration enforcement which is now taking place in the U.S. Garcia de Rayos was arrested when she showed up for a court-ordered annual check-in with immigration officials this week and then deported. Garcia de Rayos had been arrested nearly a decade ago and convicted of using a fake social security number. As a non-violent felon, she became a top priority for deportation under President Trump's executive order. Carrie Khan, NPR News, Mexico City. The University of Michigan's Index of Consumer Sentiment climbed to a 13-year high last month, 
boding well for spending and economic growth. But as Steve Beckner reports, its latest survey of households yielded an unexpected setback. In a preliminary reading for February, the index plunged nearly three points to 95.7. Although people feel better off financially, expectations for wage gains are down. Survey Director Richard Curtin says confidence remains quite favorable, but says there is a partisan divide in how Americans view economic prospects. Steve Beckner reporting. Wall Street is higher at this hour. The Dow is up 68 points at 20,241. The Nasdaq is up 13 points at 57.28. The S&P 500 is up 5 points at 23.13. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. In Louisiana, one person is still missing. Two others were injured after an explosion and a fire at a Phillips 66 pipeline station west of New Orleans. The line carries raw natural gas liquids, and officials say the source of the pipeline has been turned off, but the fire has to burn off the rest of that liquid that's inside. In Turkey's capital, riot police used tear gas to disperse demonstrators protesting the firing of more than 300 academics. And Pierce Peter Kenyon reports the protests came as Turkey's president signed a bill setting a public vote on giving his office more powers. Students at Ankara University gathered to protest against the government's latest purge by emergency decree. Nearly 4,500 public servants were fired, including some longstanding and highly respected academics. Turkey's Doğan News Agency reports police blocked opposition lawmakers from joining the protest and clashes broke out. The agency reports police used tear gas to disperse the demonstrators and three students and two academics were detained. Separately, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan signed a bill triggering a referendum on constitutional changes giving him broad executive powers. The vote is expected to be in mid-April. Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul. Crude oil prices are trading higher at this hour, up 2% at $54.06 a barrel. Another check on Wall Street. The Dow is up 71 points, 20,244. The Nasdaq is up 13 points at 52.78, and the S&P 500 is ahead by 6. I'm Janine Herbst, and you're listening to NPR News from Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Bluevine, providing small businesses with online access to capital through revolving lines of credit and invoice factoring with a commitment to transparency. Small business credit help is available at Bluevine.com. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for listening this morning to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. She's a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. And Dr. Allie Brown is here. She is a surgical pathologist. Today is going to be romantic. It's going to be a sensual show. It's going to be a seductive show. Who am I kidding? It's going to be the sex show. <laughs> it's the sex show. All sex, all the time. Now, this is our, this is our only... I don't want to say X-rated, R-rated, maybe. It's an adult it show today, for sure. It is an adult-focused show. All We're right. talking about sexual health for adults. And and how you can achieve 
the most pleasure fulfilling (laughs) yeah fulfilling sounds better than pleasure that sounds fulfilling and satisfying anyways experiences before we get into the details really this may not be for the youngsters in the household you may want to turn on barney for them or whatever might be on and uh we we're going to talk very frankly today and we welcome frank questions sincere questions and comments so if you don't want to use your real name, you don't have to. We've done this before. You don't have to use your real name or where you're really from, whatever you're comfortable with. But the number to call is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Good morning, doctors. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, take it away. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and let We're you... Just ready to get I'm gonna started. Be, yeah, I'm going to be... Under the table, okay. looking for me. Why? Well, and I'll just be telling how many shades of red our faces <laughs> get during this. Shades of red, shades of gray. So we are. Um, so I have been looking forward to doing this show, um, and you know we've done it before in the past around Valentine's Day, um, and you know we occasionally will have callers who call in who um, have questions kind of related to the physical intimacy part or sex. Um, we have, I guess, we're kind of going to approach it from a holistic part because, you know, having a a healthy um, sex life is also kind of a contributor to um, overall health. And so there are many other health benefits that come from having um, a very healthy sex life, um, both uh, physical and emotional. Um, I do not, by any stretch of the imagination, um, intend for physical intimacy to be a stand-in for intimacy as alone we're talking about um the actual physical aspects of intimacy but also um very much recognize that um true intimacy in any relationship can occur a without any physical contact at all um and that there are very there are definitely many other contributors to um to intimacy besides just the physical aspect or the sexual aspect. However, that being said, um, I don't know that there are lots of opportunities that people feel um, exist when they go to speak to a physician. However, we have survey data where um, when people are asked, patients are asked, they actually want to have these conversations with physicians. However, many times they um, feel much more comfortable initiating those conversations when the conversation starts with the physician. So when they're prompted, um, there are not very many people who feel as comfortable bringing the subject up. And a lot of people feel as if that's something that's totally separate, as if you have to go to the sex doctor to be able to have that conversation, as opposed to having conversations or about your concerns related to um, sexual health, sexual desire, and those kinds of things. And if you're too embarrassed to talk to your doctor about it you really can call in here Absolutely. you are completely anonymous no one knows who you are like i said make up a name we don't care yeah. we're, we're only using the first name anyway we're using a community you're calling from but make up one if that makes you more yeah. comfortable send an email and so this was kind of a way that i thought we could incorporate some of those things that we were hearing or that we saw in the survey just by you know doing it on the radio and giving people an opportunity to kind of call in. We are starting the conversation. We are saying, you know, um, 
let's talk about it. Um, what are your concerns? Um, because I think a lot of times people feel as if whatever it is that they may be experiencing, whether it's decreased libido or decreased sexual desire, or if it's a change in their function or a change in their performance or what have you, a lot of times people feel like they are alone. And in actuality, this is a, a very common issue for many people who are involved in relationships. And at some point in time, um, throughout the course of your life, I think it's something that everyone at some point in time struggles with, whether it's um, lack of personal satisfaction, lack of desire. I mean, this thing wax and, waxes and wanes throughout the course of our lives. Um, and so I think this is a great thing to talk about, especially coming up on the holiday that is really set aside to celebrate love. The physical aspect is one component of that. So what's um, nine so months away from Valentine's oh, Day? Stop. Is there a peak in... <laughs> I know that there is from from New Year's Eve. The biggest uh, peak in births comes nine months later. That and um, I thought just in the like that's why there are more, you know, summer type babies, summer and fall babies than is because like yeah. it gets colder. People are inside more. After the great blackout in New York, like how many years ago there was a baby boom after that? And as you said so very eloquently, <laughs> the more time you spend under the sheets, <laughs> the more likely there is to be a baby boom following that. So makes sense and also talk about if you would the the um, connection between mind and body that desire sometimes starts in the mind as opposed to in the body yeah you know it's kind of interesting there's um so there's definitely a bi-directional communication um and so um, a lot of times actually the that that initial desire or what is going on in the mind can actually stimulate a physical response um likewise if the body is stimulated appropriately it can also get the mind's attention very quickly as well (laughs) um so the good thing is that you can actually work from either direction um but that's kind of one of the things that when when uh people talk about having difficulty with um with sexual desire or with sexual performance, one of the therapies that is offered to these patients is that whole getting your mind right. And and so there are things that can preclude your ability to um, get excited about sex because like stress and those kinds of things can take away from it. So the more preoccupied your mind is, the more difficult it may be for you to kind of get into the mood. Um, so that's one of the things that um, therapists actually talk about is, you know, being able to recognize those things and to be able to kind of let go even if you have to in the beginning schedule, you know, time for for foreplay or if you are planning on possibly being sexually engaged later on in the evening that you might start thinking about it um, before you're actually starting to disrobe. You might want to start thinking about it a little bit earlier. It can heighten your anticipation. It can heighten your desire. And also you may see the benefit of also having heightened pleasure as a result. What about turning on the Barry White record? Does that help? I mean, there are so many different things that set the mood right, whether it's a, a nice slow song by a person with a deep voice or whatever it is that, that people are into. And that's that's the beauty of, I think, um, sexual relationships is that they are just as variable and diverse as the individuals that engage in them and participate in them. And so, um, you know, hey, if, if it's 
If it works, do it. You know, last week you brought this up, and it, and it seems like it's it should be the number one priority, and that's communication in a couple between a man and a woman or a woman and a woman, whatever the couple is, that there has to be communication. So if you're both going to bed with different expectations and things going in different directions, then it seems that might be a stressor in and of itself. Well, absolutely. And and I think the other thing is that, so there is no sexual crystal ball, right? There's not some person that you can call that'll read the cards that will tell you what your partner wants. And while you would like to believe that there may be physical cues or verbal cues that you may you may get during the act, whether that person responds to you in a certain way or you notice that their body responds in a certain way that lets you know that they enjoy it. Um, people need to just I think the best thing is just to tell them, you know, it's that that makes it really easy. It takes the guesswork out of it. And that way, if you can actually tell your partner what it is that you like, um, which can, I, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that this is an easy task because I think that socially that's something that people have not really been encouraged to do. But um, I think that it's really important to, if you're going to be engaged in, in a relationship where there's physical intimacy, where there is intimacy in general, that a big part of that is being honest and, and telling your partner what it is that they do that you like. Because what we typically do is once we find out that we're good at something, we'll do more of it. So it's kind <laughs> of like the good way to make sure that you get what you want is by telling your partner so that they can keep doing it rather than just doing it once or twice. And then you're like, oh, that was great. Now we're doing something different. Um, So, yeah, the communication is really important. And I think um, some people who might be regular listeners might have remembered we had a caller who called in who talked about the differences and and he kind of attributed it to, to gender and some other factors with what a man wants versus what a woman wants. And I think that there's a lot of societal or social influences and cues that we get that would make us believe, whether right or wrong, would make us believe that there's a certain type of behavior that is typically masculine, a certain type of behavior or approach that is typically uh, female or feminine. And in actuality, it does not have to be that way. And um, I think that sometimes you really limit your ability to have a fulfilling relationship um, and and not to really get what you want out of sex if you feel like you have to kind of be in a box. Um, So the whole concept of, of thinking outside the box, stepping outside the box and being able to kind of articulate your wants and your needs is crucial, imperative and almost like the it's it's the the surest way to to have the best experience. We're going to take our first break of the show. We invite your phone calls on this topic, which is sex. It's, we're being that blunt about it. It's about um, sex, sexual relationship between your partner and you. Whatever. One eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. And when we come back, I'm cli- I'm gonna try and get Dr. Brown to say a word, any word at all. I talked about Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. Give us a call.
It's the new administration's first 100 days, and the news is coming fast. Protesters arrived here. Keystone XL pipeline. The Affordable Care Act. Refugee admissions for 100. All things considered, we'll be here to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. Integrating refugees and migrants into Germany's workforce has been challenging. Now, an online job portal is connecting them with companies that need their specific skill sets. You know, it's not easy to live as a refugee. And now I have my own job and I can afford my life. I'm Robert Siegel. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens and here with Dr. Allie Brown. We are talking about sex today, pleasing one another, um, communication. Dr. Brown is just squirming here because she's embarrassed. She's the fourth shade of red in this room at this moment. Uh, we invite your phone calls now. I think I'll ask a question. At least it's not more numbers of a different shade of color. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> we have commentary from the peanut gallery. We do appreciate distracting having, us. having the input from our illustrious male production crew All being right. able to kind of chime in here. Just um, to get the ball rolling, just to <laughs> get some phone calls going here. Here's a question for you. When you were younger, when you were first learning about sex... What was the one thing you were told that is absolutely not true? You know, ways that you couldn't get pregnant, that sort of thing. Things about sex that that turned out to be so not true, but you thought they were at the time. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org or. or <laughs> Does size matter? Jay wants That's to know if size matters. That's a very good question. So, um, so that could be a question too. Yes. So, just from a sheer physiologic oh standpoint, um, there is no evidence that size matters. And actually, um, so the best way to figure out whether or not it matters is to ask. Um, patients. And there have been patient surveys related to sexual enjoyment and sexual pleasure. And um, what overwhelmingly the majority of people who have been surveyed are asked, especially when we're talking about women responses, um, of 75% of women say that it is not the size of the ship, but it is the motion in the ocean that makes the difference. So it's not really um, what what you're working with so what so much as the work that you're doing does that help motion of the ocean yes i, I look when people are being asked that question i get it maybe they're being nice uh, here come the phones <laughs> and the phones are lighting up but i i mean i just don't I, I i honestly i don't i don't believe those numbers i don't but men i think men fret about that way too much i do so well, there's I, no doubt that they do but i just i, I think there is there's a lot of feedback in surveys like that where the people who are being asked are just being nice, right? Why would you Rather than just, you know, 
maybe you're in a situation where you don't want to throw the person that you're with under the bus or something like that. So, so I, just, I, don't, I just don't know how I don't know the integrity of asking somebody a question like that. Or, or the or the answers or the feedback that you get. I don't know that you can get a good a good, uh, I guess, cross survey of answers on a question like that. Well, and, and I I think that that's a really uh, an interesting perspective, and I think that there's something to be said for bias that can occur whenever you do any kind of surveys. That's a super friendly way of disagreeing with me. By the way. <laughs> well, and the other thing is though that I do believe that. Um, that there is more of an emphasis placed on size um, from a male perspective, just because that's that there's more of the male sexual organs that are exposed externally. And if, you know, a lot of how we identify with our particular genders, our designation, some of that is very deeply tied into our sexual organs, whether it's women in their breasts or their vaginas or their uterus, um, or whether it's men with um, with the penis. It's the same concept. So I think that that's probably also a part of that as well. It's just about how you identify. And so, of course, there's the concept, are you more of a man if there's, you know, if your male genitalia is larger, are you less of a man if it's if it's not as large um okay now i'm blushing so let's move on to the that's like i mean i think that's like a natural kind of process that goes along with it if that's part of how people typically identify themselves or if that's a part of how they tie themselves to their gender Kay is calling in from memphis good morning Kay. hey you you know me i was the old woman that called in more than at 86 if i still need to have a pelvic exam yes you called last week yeah. What's your okay, question today, Kay? Well, this is not a question so much. I'm I'm a retired medical social worker, and I listen to every medical program, everything on the radio. And about uh, two or three weeks ago, I heard a program, and I'm just passing this along because I don't know whether you, you have heard anything about it. Uh, this lady had uh, was talking about her situation, and she'd been married for 15 years and had experienced painful intercourse the entire time had gone from one gynecologist to another. And finally, she hit upon this one who had heard about a a doctor who had done a a lot of um, 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 work with uh, this kind of program. And the gist of it was that the vagina has nerve endings in differing amounts in different positions in the vagina. And so she went to him, and the outcome was... He, I say this joking, he snipped a few nerve endings down near the entrance of the vagina, and she said for the first time in 15 years, she had, had, she had gotten pleasure from intercourse because the, he said that she had too many nerve endings down near the opening. Okay, okay, let's, let's get a response to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kay, were you just showing, okay, so... Um, That's correct. So what the particular name that we give to what Kay had called about, it's called dyspareunia, and that is the big doctor term for painful intercourse. Um, That can be from a number of different things. 
as she mentioned, it can be um, related to to nerves or nerve irritation. Um, the way that you figure out if you're having painful intercourse is by giving the way that we actually investigate um, where the pain might be coming from or what the what the cause is is really kind of by getting into the details about the time that you actually experience it is it on penetration or when the um the vagina is being entered is it only with um deep penetration so you don't have problems with actual entry into the vagina but once you actually have something inserted into the vaginal canal those kinds of things kind of help us to tease out that in addition to the quality of the pain those kinds of things so taking a really good thorough sexual history helps us to figure out um, what the potential etiologies for dyspareunia are. And then based on whatever is suggested from that and from the examination, um, we can then uh, kind of offer different types of therapies. There are um, medications. There may be um, surgical options in certain instances. There um, may be behavioral therapy that goes along with it. So there are lots of different types of therapy. Um, there may be pelvic floor exercises and other things that can be also incorporated to kind of help treat people who suffer from painful intercourse or what we call dyspareunia. But right. thanks for that call again, Kate. Thank you very much. Now moving on to Sarah calling in from Ridgeland. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How are you ladies today? We're doing great. What's your question or comment? Well, it's more of just a comment. So I had a very, very large baby a couple years ago. And in the process of recovering from that, I had some scar tissue and some pelvic floor issues. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist who was wonderful. So not only I had some issues with incontinence, but also sexual pleasure. And what, so what kind of therapy did you actually undergo? Was it, um, did you, so you did the exercises? If you, you said you had yeah. some pelvic floor. Yeah. Okay. So exercises and, you know, just getting all those muscles back into shape mm -hmm. really, really helped. And my um, physical therapist and doctor prescribed a lidocaine cream as well mm -hmm. because intercourse was uncomfortable, especially around um, where I had my scar tissue. Uh -huh. So just wanted to put that out there and, um, and get some more discussion around that. Did your physician offer you those solutions because you asked or, or did, the, did yes, they come out with yes. it uh, without your uh, asking about it initially? Well, I asked about it initially because I was having um, all kinds of issues and um, had seen a couple of doctors and hadn't had very good solutions, had people tell me, oh, well, that's just what happens after you have a kid and just have to deal with it. And I didn't accept that as an answer. Well, good for you, because because that I think that's one of the things where um, if you are if you're willing to just accept, oh, well, that's just how it has to be. And you know that you aren't getting exactly what it is that you want or you feel like you haven't gotten a full return back to your the quality of your sexual uh, encounters and pleasure that you had previously experienced after childbirth, that that's not an acceptable answer. And 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 I think that it's good that you continue to push forward and try to find um, some other options so that you could ultimately get back to where you wanted to be. Yeah, so I would just encourage any ladies in that position to really be their own advocate. 
and make sure that you're asking if this is kind of a treatment that's available, something that you can explore, because it worked really well for me. That's wonderful. And thank you, too, for reminding us to to mention that there are um, physical therapists for for your vagina. There are people who actually deal with pelvic floor physical therapy. It is a branch of physical therapy that people actually get special training in. And so it's not all about going to a physician, getting a cream or getting surgery or whatever. There are definitely some other modalities that can be used in order to to get people back to where they want to be. Sarah, thank you so much for calling and sharing that. Yeah, so that and, you know, there are other options too, but like the physical therapy, surgery, you know, my my, um, primary care physician explained all of it. So wonderful. Good. Awesome. Again, thanks for calling, Sarah. Appreciate it. All right, taking our second break of the show. Give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back on Southern Remedy for Women here on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. I'm Robert Krulwich from Radiolab. We're told that smell triggers memories in the brain. So if you're in your car, let's try something. Roll up your windows and inhale, okay? There are some memories you cherish and others that just um, linger. But now here's a thought. How about contributing this barrel of aroma that is your car to your favorite public radio station? And you might even get a tax deduction. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. back and thanks for listening to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, Dr. Allie Brown. We're talking about sex and romance and sexual pleasure and not being able to have sex or not wanting to have sex. All of those things are up for grabs by calling 877-MPB-RING 877-672-7464 or you can send an email. I'm about to read an email. Send it to women at mpbonline.org Here's the email. 
My wife and I are in her late 30s. She takes anxiety medicine that greatly reduces her sex drive almost completely. How can or is there any way to work around such a situation? Um, so that's uh, especially with um, quite a few people being on anxiety medications, antidepressant medications are also medications that um, some women may use that will alter sexual function. I think for men, you know, notoriously men um, who have, I think, hypertension medications are kind of the, the medications that most men are familiar with that can alter sexual function. Um, so there are lots of different meds that are out there that people need to be on in order to live some semblance of a normal life. And then the downside is that they do have these side effects of decreasing either your um, your libido or your sex drive, or they can also make it more difficult for you to achieve climax or orgasm. Um, so I think for for those kinds of situations, again, this is something that we like to think of just happens naturally. But I think when you have medical problems, when you have medications and you have this as a side effect of medication, one of the things that you have to do is be more deliberate about it. And in being more deliberate, it doesn't mean that it has to take the fun and the joy out of it, but it does mean that you have to kind of put a little bit more thought into things and maybe work a little harder in order to get to that place where it's an enjoyable experience for both people. I'm all about equal work, equal pay. You want mutual enjoyment for mutual work. So um, I think that one of the ways that you can do it again is by ramping up the foreplay. And again, if it's not, if my husband used to to say that, um, you know, the, your body doesn't stay angry as long as your mind does. So it's the, that concept of being able to kind of work to getting somebody stimulated or in the mood. That may be, you know, a naughty text um, on the way home. But you know what sounds tough about this this situation is if he's trying to seduce his wife and mm-hmm. she doesn't have desire, isn't she going to feel pressure? I mean. It seems like he'd have to be so careful and that she feels like she's under pressure. Like, I know you want to have sex, but I really don't want to have sex because I don't feel any desire. Well, and that's where the communication, I think, comes in. Right. Because I think what what is common in most relationships is that both people want a to have their desires and their needs met. But you also want to please your partner. And I think that. as people who are involved in sexual relationships, it's always good for you to do a personal inventory and ask yourself, you know, what kind of lover are you? Are you primarily a recipient? Are you a giver? Um, are you a person who just kind of likes to be the recipient of someone else's um, advances or activities? And so I think one of the things that's really important is acknowledging and, and respecting your partner and where they are, but both uh, individuals being willing to um to contribute so not to pressure her but that's what i mean it's like i think being able to tell a uh your partner 
that you desire them, that you want them, that they are attractive to you and all those things, that that kind of helps to kind of start or get people in the mood, reminding them about, you know, kind of why you're together anyway and and doing those things that are kind of romantic to set the stage. And that kind of moves it out of the sense of being obligated or feeling pressured, but just really more about like being adored and being being cared for and being appreciated and being loved, which I think actually does kind of get those fires kindled a little bit more. Jewelry helps. Oh, gee. <laughs> and, and, and jewelry. The voice too. of pragmatism. <laughs> All right. Len is calling in from Columbus. Len, go ahead. Yeah, well, this is very timely. Uh, y'all have this show with Valentine's Day next week. And, you know, I think people sometimes get expectations about their birthdays. Men especially. It's my birthday. So, uh, you know, uh, it Valentine's Day and everything. But uh, my question doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, my question is about uh, premature ejaculation. And you talked about the antidepressants and some, sometimes those making it more, um, less likely to climax. Is, is that something that's an approved treatment for men with premature ejaculation problems? You mean what is are you asking whether antidepressants are yeah, are yeah. used are they, yeah are they prescribed sometimes in a sexual way or for a for a sexual problem like that so um so if the, if they are um they may be used sometimes people may use those medications in what's called an off label use or an off so that means that that may not be what the drug was originally approved for but it may give you an opportunity to last longer or what have you if if they have been um if they are used for that purpose usually um things that are recommended to help with premature ejaculation are um Using uh, condoms can help. Trying different positions during intercourse may also be helpful. Um, And they also um, really use, this is one of those areas where uh, counseling, behavioral therapy um, can also be really helpful because there's a a huge amount of um, anxiety that can be associated with it. Um, When people use antidepressants in order to treat uh, premature ejaculation, things like, um, I think, clomipramine may be one of those. Paxil is another antidepressant, um, which can be used, again, because it can kind of take you a little longer to reach an orgasm. So they may use that, which is a side effect of the medication, but it's not kind of what it's indicated for. But people use that medication or prescribe those medications because that is a a side effect of the medication. And if it gives you a little bit of of happiness and can get you a little bit more time in, then um, definitely it's it's an option. Well, is it it safe to use it that way? And is it something you've got to be on uh, continually? I mean, it's not something like you can take the day before. Is it something that's got to sort of have a residual? You've got to have the residual there over time. Right. So um, that's a great question as well. So um, usually what happens with antidepressant medications is that there is a period of time that you kind of need to use the drug in order to have it in your system. And usually, you know, we say for optimal effect for the antidepressant piece, it usually takes a few weeks. Um, However, some of those side effects, you may not necessarily need to have high resting levels in order to experience them. 
them. But I would say that it's not kind of like, you know, how people would use, say, for example, a Viagra right before the act. You would probably, if you're going to use antidepressant medications, number one, yes, they're safe to be used. Just make sure that the medication that you're using is being prescribed to you by a physician who's made sure that you don't have any other contraindications to that medicine. But if you don't have that, it can be used and you would probably want to be on it for at least a week to two weeks, probably, to make sure that there's at least enough medicine in your system and your body's um, is uh, at least kind of adjusted to the medication being in your system, so that you can see if it if it works for you. All right. Okay, Len. Thank you so much for calling. Hope that helps. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Here's the question I want. I know I'm not the only one that wants to answer this question. Why does Viagra, what the commercial says, if you have an erection that lasts more than four hours, go see a doctor. Why would you have an erection that lasts? What does the medicine do that's oh, giving you an erection? I thought you were going to say, why would you go to the doctor? <laughs> yeah, you, get, you go on your phone, go in your little black book. No, why, what causes someone to have an erection for more than four hours by taking this pill? So, so it's the, the actual term is called um, priapism. And what that does is basically it's it's the condition where the penis actually goes from being flaccid to being erect and it stays erect. So you actually can have a an erection that lasts for hours at a time. Um, the the way that Viagra works is by changing blood vessel dilation. And so it's by dilating those blood vessels or that concept of what we call the the vessels get engorged. And so that means that they swell and they fill full of blood. And so when that happens, the penis also swells. And that's the whole concept of erection is that the penis also swells and gets full of blood. So um, if it works a little too well, um, then you can continue to have that extended period of engorgement, and that's why you need to go to the hospital. Right, so when you go to the doctor, medical, what do they do? That can be a medical emergency. I personally don't treat priapism. Um, I've never had a patient come in with priapism to be treated, so I'm not really sure, I think, um, of exactly what it is that they do. Um, I know that they rehydrate patients. They may give a medication that antagonizes the medicine that you have on board in order to to get things to go back down. Um, So sometimes they can give you another medication that kind of reverses the effects of the medication that started that issue in the first place. Um, I know I got off track. I'm sorry. I was just interested in that. Look, they call the urologists and they come in and take care of that. (laughs) We're going to take our last break of the show. Now's the time to call. If you have a question or comment, you better get on the phone before we run out of time. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio.
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hi, this is Bill Ellison, host of Grassroots on MPB. Mississippi songwriter Paul Overstreet was co-writer of a country song that became a hit for three different artists. When You Say Nothing at All went to number one for Keith Whitley in 1988. It was Alison Krauss's first top ten hit in 1995 and topped the charts for Ronan Keating in the U.K. and Ireland in 1999. We'll hear Allison's version live Saturday night on Grassroots. Hope you can listen at 8 on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back. If you just turned on your radio, you're listening to Southern Remedy for Women, where we're talking about sex today ahead of Valentine's Day, helping you, hoping that you'll have a very fulfilling day. Absolutely. Physically, sexually on day uh, or not. on Tuesday or whether it's another day because you can't get together or on practice Tuesday. practice on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Work Try up to it. something new. We have, we have Ray waiting on the phone. He's calling in from Columbus. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, hello. I I have a question about the subject of that priapism. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- several years ago, uh, I'll say probably 10 years ago, uh, I'm up in my early 70s now, and I had an encounter with a lady, and I had a bout of that, but it wasn't caused by any Cialis or uh, Viagra or anything else. This just occurred naturally. And uh, we, we probably... <laughs> We probably were involved for three or four hours, and I would say that I had at least three orgasms on the same erection. And after that, a week or so after that, I experienced some real pain in my groin area, actually down around in the area where the prostate would be located. And uh, after that, after that subsided, from that time on, uh, when I would get an erection, it was not nearly what it used to be. Uh, when I was a younger man, I was I was fairly well endowed, and after that, it was it was just really disappointing. I wonder what kind of physical damage that priapism might cause, and if there is any way to uh, help it or correct it. Well, um, so. There are, so priapism is a, a known um, entity that occurs um, in, in people with certain medical conditions. It actually can happen more commonly. Um, what you describe sounds like um, a relatively unique situation because we don't typically say that if you've only had priapism one time that you would have um, prolonged um 
prolong problems, although that may be depending on, you know, the nature. There are some other things that can cause pain in um, in males in the penis. Um, there is something that is called a penile fracture, um, which is another um course uh, another source of pain uh, in the penis and that can occur during intercourse but usually what happens in a penile fracture which usually occurs during the during the act is when um, sometimes men will um, hear a popping sound um, or may not they may not hear the sound but then they just have the sudden onset of severe pain the penis swells, it can become dark, it can be bruised. Um, and the reason why I mention that is because priapism is, you know, an emergency. You need to seek care immediately. Penile fractures, um, which are also fortunately uncommon but do occur, um, are also their medical emergencies. So if you happen to be engaged in relations and that happens that is not one of those things that you wait three or four hours to see what happens you need to get up and go immediately um but um to answer your question it's not the general thinking that um having priapism a a single time will lead to long-term effects but occasionally um it's possible that it may well my question was is this uh going probably most likely going to be a permanent uh, situation or is there any way that it can be corrected or improved well um i think for that ray i would probably say you should you should ask your urologist and if you don't have a urologist or haven't seen one then it would be great to have your primary care physician give you a referral to the urologist so that they can do a really good examination and determine whether or not this is something that you would be eligible for some type of treatment for or um, if there's something else that they might recommend all right ray thank you very much for your phone call best of luck to you and now we have jim calling in from ocean springs hi jim hi how you doing doing great how are you okay interesting program uh doc you i just hear you said something that uh the weekend or whatever, try something anytime, try something different, do something different. And uh, I just want to say you, you, you're you right. I am 65 at the present. I was married 42 years with my late wife, and we had nine children. We only did one sexual activity, just, just the, you know, just a regular straight-up sex I got married again. I've been married with this wife for three years, and she's 15 years younger. But I found just doing different things with her, wow, it is amazing. So you said something that really uh, makes a lot of sense. And if I heard some women that say that uh, they are maybe tired of this man, or however you want, I'm going to put it in the right terms. But... I think, like you said, if you try something different, you will be surprised and amazed at your relationship. Well, Jim, thank you so much for sharing that. And it is really true. I think it is an incredible thing to be married for over 40 years. And good luck to you and your new relationship. And I'm so glad to know that you are, you know, enjoying a new and exciting relationship with your new wife. That's fantastic. But that's it. Try something new. I mean, you don't have to like everything. 
But I think that um, definitely so that you don't get, you know, kind of caught up in the same old, same old every time. It's nice to variety is the spice of life. And I think that with our sexual experiences, they need to be the same. So, um, yeah, mix it up every now and again, you know, change, change places, do something different. Um, And if you don't like it, then you don't have to try that again and move on to the next thing. But there's so many different options out there for people to get um, a really fulfilling experience. Jim, thank you so much for your call. Dr. Owens, I think I have to make a suggestion here. Okay, I think we should do this show every week. Because I'm just enjoying watching all the people walking by in the hallway <laughs> and, and, and the way that they're reacting. Well, I think, but I, I think we might. We there's a lot of people should, calling. Yeah. People need this, this and show. And the texts that you're getting from yeah. your I'm friends. I'm getting a lot of text messages, we yes. Sh- we probably should do it a little bit more frequently than, you know, every year, every two years, um, just to give people an opportunity to talk about this. Because even in, in this show, we didn't really get a chance to delve into, you know, understanding our bodies better understanding anatomy in the same way. I mean, for example, did you guys know that... um, I'm afraid. Yeah. Did you guys know that the clitoris, which is the little button that is anterior to the vagina and um, and then the urethra, which is where you urinate, did you know that that little button has over 8,000 nerve endings in the entire clitoris? Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> that is twice the number of nerve endings that are found on the head of the penis. So there are so many different ways that 8,000 nerve endings can be, you know, stimulated. And so excited. size doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got to be able to reach some of the 8,000. One point for the ladies. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> See there? And interestingly enough, we were talking earlier about uh, stereotypes and those kinds of things. And 53% of women said when they were surveyed, and Jay, we know how you feel about the surveys, but 53% of women surveyed said that they weren't having as much sex as they'd like to have. So guys, 53% of women said that they're not having as much sex as they'd like to have. The bars are going to be crowded this weekend. And Three quarters of women surveyed said that their ideal amount of activity would be um, at least three times per week. At least three times a week. That's Seventy-five percent of women. These this just asking women. Seventy-five percent of women said that they would like to that their ideal would be at least not at the most, but at least three times per week. We didn't mention that this this year um, when we did the show about is there a normal amount of sex you should have in one week? You know, married couples who have been married forever, maybe it's once a month. It, you know, it, it depends. So, yeah, I think I think that the normal amount of sex is whatever amount that you and your partner enjoy uh, participating in, what whatever it is that makes you happy. And I would encourage you if uh, if you're not. If you're one of those people, one of those women who's saying you're not getting it enough, or if you're one of those men who feel that way, to find a sensitive way to articulate that to your partner and just to say, hey, you know, I really enjoy what we share and I'd love to be able to do that more often. Um, And I think if, I mean, how can you say no to that? 
I don't know, but this has been the best show just to see Dr. Brown react to everything you said. I really appreciate all of our callers, everybody who's called in. Great callers today. It's been great. We've appreciated the text messages, the emails, everything. And so we will. We'll have to put this on the bill again sometime soon. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show is engineered by Jay White, our call screener. I don't know. People have been in and out of the master control room. Java Chapman was our call screener today. For Dr. Michelle Owens, for Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for the next Southern Remedy for Women.